Before we get started, I just wanted to say congratulations to Kelly and Mark on their recent engagement. Manager Boy Shippers Unite. Hey, it's Travis. Second bonus app. No, this isn't the new normal, but we are making some changes, not only to our Patreon episodes, but also to how we do our general release episode. Stay tuned after the credits for information about that, along with our new patron shoutouts. The changes will affect everyone, so if you're hearing my voice, stay tuned after the show. These announcements are going to be long enough as it is. For now, I have some big news that we have been working on for quite a while that I can finally announce. The Hotel Podcast has officially joined the Bloody Disgusting Network. We are very thrilled to be joining. There are a lot of great shows already on the network and more on the way. This is a part of why things will be changing moving forward, but all for the better, I assure you. So thank you to everyone at Bloody Disgusting for working to make this happen. We are looking forward to stepping into the larger horror community with you all. Now, for this month's bonus episode and postcard artist. Friends, if you aren't on the Patreon yet, this is the episode to join for for sure. This episode is called The Solo, and Graham does indeed sing a solo as the owner in it. It's beautiful, it's heartbreaking, and he does just a fantastic job. And speaking of fantastic jobs, this month's artist is Angelo. Find him on Twitter at patient number seven. That's patient and O and the number seven to see more of his incredible art. Graham has texted me many of Angelo's owner art. He's a big fan, so of course we had to add him to our collection for this very special owner bonus episode. Check out our Twitter or Instagram at the Hotel Pod to see the very striking piece he's done for us this month. And he also finished his thesis this week. So congratulations, Angelo. I hope you think fondly of your thesis every single time you look at the postcard. And one last thing, and this is for everyone. Some of our community artists and fans, Niall and Ibis and Jay, were talking to me, sort of, about how much fun they have making playlists for the show. And Niall did end up convincing me to make my own. So I have. Search your favorite staff member, followed by parentheses, The Hotel Podcast, on Spotify, and you will find four playlists with over five hours of music for each character. I'll also have links on our socials for those in case you can't find them. Just look for Izzy's lovely episode art, and you'll see them. That same art is, of course, still available for purchase at our store, and I suspect you will also find links to that on, you guessed it, our socials. Okay, I think I've done my part to try and pay the bills. You've certainly done yours by listening. Enjoy another bonus episode from earlier this year, and don't forget to stay tuned after the credits for those updates and our Season 5 return date announcement. The lobby is bright today. It's not uncommon, not particularly unusual, but it comes as a mild surprise every time. It's not that I can't handle a little sunlight, but I find myself squinting against light more than I'd like. I find myself turning away from the windows, seeking the darker corners and shadows. 
Hiding? No. Lurking. Well, lurking can be a useful tool in my audits. The less I'm seen, the more I can see, so to speak. Tonight's guests, unlike the sunlight, are uncommon. Two teenage boys and their parents, bickering and pissy already. The parents are sighing at the manager about something, and the boys are pestering the lobby boy with questions about what services they're entitled to. I click my pen and make some notes on my clipboard. The staff is handling themselves more or less adequately in the face of this family. When the parents bark at the boys to keep it down while they try to check in, the boys bark back that this vacation sucks. The younger one holds his hand up, trying to get a high five from the lobby boy. He just stares blankly. I make another note. As punishment, the boys are sent back out to the car to get the other bags. I watch them through the window as they pull nothing more than water guns out of the beige minivan out front. They leave the doors open and shoot each other with streams of sink water from whatever gas station they filled up at. Like the lobby boy, I too have trouble understanding the guests sometimes. They seem to hate their vacations, or their families. Maybe they just hate hotels. The sun catches the window of the van door as it sways, and the glare forces my eyes closed for a moment. And in that moment, I find myself wondering what could be so horrible about a family vacation. I finish loading the last of the luggage into the van, slamming the hatchback door closed hard enough that the manager and the lobby boy can hear it from inside. The car is already running when I climb into the driver's seat, and I honk the horn several times to hurry them along. We're already running behind schedule. She comes out first in a sun hat and matching sweatsuit set ensemble that's comfortable enough to wear for the many hours we have ahead of us, but still fashionable enough that I had to wait all morning for her to put it together. I don't mention this, but even through her sunglasses, I can tell she senses my frustration. I deflect and ask where the lobby boy is. She nods to the hotel doors just as he comes out, still stuffing items into his backpack. I don't know why he's packed an entire travel bag's worth of activities for this journey, but I know it's making us late. As he settles into the back seat, she gives me a terse smile that says clearly, See, it's fine. I am determined to enjoy this vacation. I will not start the trip out with a fight. I ask if everyone is ready for the big trip. They give me a non-committal grunt in unison. 
She's looking at her phone, and he's got his nose in a book. I sigh heavily enough to let them know this is not the attitude I was hoping for. We barely get onto the main roads before she says we need to stop for food. I tell her we're already running behind, but I keep to myself the reasons why. We can get food once we get out of the city. She ignores me and points out a nearby McDonald's. I close my eyes and sigh again. He's perked up now, nodding and agreeing emphatically between the seats. I tell him to sit back and put his seatbelt on. He does, but it doesn't stop him from asking about McDonald's again. And again. And again. I grip the wheel tighter and grit my teeth, but I put on my blinker and pull in. He cheers. She smiles. For a moment, just a moment, I think perhaps the worst is behind us. It takes twenty minutes just to get to the menu box. Twenty minutes of stony silence, save for the occasional flick of the lobby boy's page turning. He wants the full breakfast, pancakes and all. There's no way to eat it in the back seat. He's going to make a mess back there. We're all getting sandwiches and hash browns. I inform them gruffly enough to ensure they know my ruling is final. I make sure to order a very large coffee with mine. I can already tell I'll be needing it today. I hand everything to the manager for distribution and angrily drive us away from the window back onto the main city streets. We don't even make it to the first traffic light before the lobby boy announces he spilled his orange juice. Driving through the city in a car that smells like greasy food and coffee feels less like a road trip than it does a daily commute with several suitcases and two people who refuse to take the schedule seriously. It's early still. Not as early as I'd hoped at this point in the drive, but early enough that the local FM radio's morning zoo is in full form. The DJ is reading what she thinks are amusing social media posts. I don't find anything particularly funny about them, but her voice is pleasant enough and vaguely familiar somehow, so I let it play on. I steer us toward the expressway and the freedom the open road promises, hoping to make up some lost time. The manager tells me to stay on the surface roads without so much as looking up from her phone. I let her know, calmly, that this will be faster. She shakes her head, but I'm already speeding up the ramp. I will have no more delays caused by obfuscation and undermining. I press the gas pedal firmly, but evenly enough that she may not notice my determination to reach the top of the curved on-ramp of the expressway. 
It leads to an eight-lane slab of mobility and opportunity that will carry us all to... the very middle of a traffic jam. I have to slam on the brakes to avoid hitting a small, boxy car with a faded bumper sticker. I force myself to look at the manager, my face burning. She's holding up her phone for me to see. Her GPS app shows a long, dark red line down the entire expressway. She asks if she should drive. I turn back to the road with a long sigh. I'm not accustomed to eating crow. The lobby boy announces that the sudden stop made him drop his hash brown. She gives him mine, and the traffic inches forward. We crawl through the gridlock, never fast enough to take my foot off the brake, never slow enough to stop completely. I lean and shift and scan ahead as best I can, looking for an opening into a faster lane. The driver of the Volkswagen next to us loses his focus for a moment, allowing just enough room for us to slip in. He juts forward at the last moment, realizing his misstep. He squeaks to a stop mere inches from the freshly waxed nose of the van, glaring at me angrily. I appease him with a glower of my own. He honks his horn at me and throws his hands up, indignant and appalled. I honk back and gesture to the road ahead. As if he has sovereign claim to the entire road, he gestures to himself. I take my foot off the brakes for just a second, just long enough to let the van bump a little further in front of him. My eyes never leave his. He lays on the horn, furious. I hit my own horn with my fist and grit my teeth, seething at this little man's gall. I can feel my face turning red, as red as his, and redder. A sharp slap on my shoulder breaks my concentration. The manager backhanded me to return my attention to the road ahead. The lane is clear for several car lengths now. She asks again if I want her to drive. Grumbling, I shake my head at her. I turn the wheel broadly, allowing the van to awkwardly resume its course. The Volkswagen creeps by, intentionally going slower than he needs to, so he can shout something vulgar at me as he passes. I roll my window down and show him what vulgarity really sounds like. She hits my shoulder again, harder this time. She nods to the lobby boy in the back seat. I try to calm down and tell him he shouldn't use words like that. I was just so angry at that wretched little motorist, I lost my temper. But I catch his eye in the rearview mirror, and he's smiling broadly. I give him a conspiratorial wink, and the morning commuter traffic starts to clear. 
A few minutes in moderate traffic in the heart of the city turns into longer minutes of light traffic as the office buildings turn to factories and farms. And soon, it's just us and the open road. Rolling hills that swell into jutting rocks of orange and red. The sun has stuffed the shadows away and put the beauty of the countryside on full display. Hours pass this way. I take in its full scope as it scoops away from road into a light valley of dusty brown and soft green grass. Above me, the blue sky is textured with puffy white clouds and a murmuration of birds twirling in pleasant unison. I sip my coffee and let the warmth spread within. At my side, the manager is sleeping, her hat slanted down, pushing her sunglasses to the front of her nose. She's missing the splendor. The lobby boy is staring out the window, book in his lap. He's carsick. Already. I tell him to put his book away, or it's just going to get worse. He shakes his head lightly, without looking at me. More splendor for me, I tell myself. I turn the radio up, determined to make the best of it. She fumbles from her sleep, just enough to reach out and turn the radio down again. The sun has crept ahead of us enough that I have to squint against the grandeur. I sip my coffee again, but this time it tastes just a little less warm. The lobby boy announces that he needs to pee. Again. The miles pass much slower than the hours do. The hills and rocks and valleys blend together until it seems as if we aren't moving at all. We are, it seems, suspended on this two-lane road in the middle of nowhere as it blurs past us. I can't recall now why I was so taken with it when we left. Perhaps I was simply relieved to be out of the traffic, back on schedule, and finally able to enjoy the trip. But the trip itself has become indistinguishable from sitting, from staring, from engaging in forced conversation with these ungrateful people. No destination could make this journey worthwhile. Why, why do we persist, enduring the grating feeling of one another's company? The sun is beginning to set ahead of me, and behind me bright headlights shoot suddenly into the rearview mirror. The speeding car is on us quickly. The headlights are right behind me now, far too close for cruising speed. I'm already going ten over the limit. What does this guy want me to do? I roll my window down and wave him on. He zooms around, and I know even before I see. It's him. The Volkswagen. I speed up to overtake him before he can cross lanes. He falls back for a moment, but only a moment, 
and suddenly his car lurches ahead. I press my foot down hard, jerking the manager and the lobby boy awake, screaming as the other driver and I both have to swerve to avoid colliding. He leaves the road briefly, kicking up dust in the twilight. We're both speeding up, neither willing to give ground, neither able to pull ahead of the other. The manager is yelling at me to stop. The lobby boy is cheering on the spectacle. I'm smiling for the first time today. The sun gives up before either of us do, dropping below the horizon and taking my vision of the road with it. I can only see inside the dimly lit van, my passengers shouting chaotically. My eyes take only seconds to adjust, long seconds still. I see now the face of the other driver, not the man from the expressway. No, no, this man is smiling and wild-eyed. This man is murderous and mad. This man is me. He's laughing as he jerks his wheel, swiping the van and sending a shower of sparks over both our hoods. We cascade off one another, each leaving the road and spraying dirt into the night. He wavers, then tilts his VW right back at us. The manager Furious now at this demented doppelganger, stabs a finger in his direction, tells me to run him off the road. The lobby boy tightens his seatbelt, and they both grab hold of the ceiling handles. I jerk the wheel hard back onto the asphalt and flatten my foot over the gas pedal. We meet in the middle of the road. Our cars spin out together, door to door, as we collide in a shower of noise and fire. The entire time he grips his steering wheel and laughs like a madman wearing my face. Our momentum quickly parts us, and his car is sent careening away, his taillights fading into darkness. Our van spins to a stop nearly tipping over before thunking down lamely onto all four tires. The manager is breathing hard, staring furiously out the windows, daring him to come back so she can finish the job. The lobby boy announces that he threw up on the back seat. Outside, the dust slowly settles, and in the distance... I see the glow of a sign just over the horizon. I ask how everyone feels about checking into a hotel for the night. It doesn't take long to get there. I suppose it never does. We all get out of the van, the neon sign above us fully illuminating the damage done. The manager is stretching her legs and the lobby boys excitedly throwing rocks at the empty road. I stare down that road, into the distance, searching for any hint of light or movement. He's still out there, that raving man who looks like me, 
driving across the empty back roads and highways, maybe looking for me still, maybe looking for anyone. I hear the others go inside behind me, but I can't pull myself away from the road, from the night, from the possibility that I am not safe out there. Headlights burst out of the impossible darkness. The last thing I see before I close my eyes against the light is my own face laughing behind the wheel. I open my eyes, and I'm back in the lobby, clipboard still clutched in my now skeletal hand. It's dark outside. I must have gotten lost in my thoughts for some time. The manager's own rotten hand is resting on the bell. It must be time. She didn't want me to die while my mind was elsewhere. The lobby boy is already in a pile by his luggage cart. I click my pen and make note of her consideration as best I can before we both collapse. Joining the lobby boy, all three of us, on the floor, together. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake. Wasn't that fun? I love the bonus episodes. First things first, our new patron shoutouts. Welcome Vitale, Alana Rizzotti, Michael Myers, Grace Connaughton, Maisie Roberts, Risen Phoenix 1403, Laura Sensational, and Ariel VH. With apologies and respect to anyone whose name I definitely just got wrong. Okay, let's talk about the future. First up, if you're not a patron, you may be pleased to hear that starting with Season 5, we will be releasing our normal episodes plus one of the old bonus episodes on the normal feed so that everyone gets to experience the joy of these mad excursions. But never fear, patrons, we are of course taking care of you as well. We're restructuring our tiers starting next month, so if you're already a patron or thinking about becoming one, here's what the new deal is. $1 a month, our Lobby Boy tier remains the same. Shout out on the show, plus your name in the guest book. Want to support us but have a lot going on with your own whole deal? I get it. A dollar a month adds up, and we appreciate you. $5 a month, our manager tier is quite popular with old fans and new alike. For only a fiver, you will get early access to all bonus and regular episodes, both of which will, of course, be ad-free. That's really going to come in handy with the bonus episodes, as they aren't really designed for that mid-roll ad break. You're also going to be getting the bonus episode postcard mailed to you at no extra cost. 
Our previous bonus episode postcards are in the process of going out, and starting with the solo, I will be personally mailing out these cards to manager tier patrons and above. $10 a month, our owner tier gets all that, plus you get access to our behind-the-scenes show, We Made the Hotel, which Mark and I host. We record video, which you also have access to. We do cast interviews and Q&As, and it's a really good time. $20 a month, our hotel tier. This is not for everyone, but it is the best value and the best deal if you can swing it. Not only do you get all of the above, but we will also send you postcards of the official Filthy Guts episode art for that month. That's the bonus episode postcard, Izzy's episode postcards, We Made the Hotel, plus early access to every episode ad-free. So please, join us on Patreon if you haven't already. Every dollar goes right back into supporting the show and the community artists we hire. And I know, we've been promising stickers for a while, and we even hired a couple artists for them, but... Sadly, our eyes were bigger than our stomachs, and production has just not been possible on the scale we need to be sustainable. So, stickers are being pushed to a stretch goal for the future. Don't even ask me about the buttons, oh my god. We will revisit the stickers and continue to hire even more community artists for that the very second we can. But to make that final little bit of medicine go down a little easier, all of this new stuff starts with Season 5, which is in August. Yes, August 1st, we'll see Season 5, Episode 1, Merp and Burble. That's part of our behind-the-curtain arc, which will take us through September. You're not even ready for what we're doing in October yet. Thank you so much for listening, not just to these very long announcements, but to the show. Even if you've never set foot on Patreon, even if you've never drawn a single picture, even if you never so much as glance at our social media, if you're listening to the sound of my voice... You are a highly valued and very much appreciated hotel guest as far as I am concerned. It's been truly amazing and delightful to get to share our show with you. Thanks again, and keep an ear on us. We have even more announcements coming very soon.